All right. There we go. And we are officially recording. Hello, hello. Good. All right. Good news. Caroline Green. Oh, I screwed that up already. <laughs> <laughs> it's now, good. We'll we're leave, we're we'll keeping it real. The, we'll, we'll leave that for the bumper. <laughs> That's right. It's awesome. So, Carolyn. No, Caroline. Carolyn Green. See, you're right. It, See? Told it messes you. with your head. Yeah, it's the Ean. I think it's the Ean. Carol- you know, it's Carol- Green. Caroline Green. Caroline Green. Perfect. See, I have to say it slowly. <laughs> No worries, we got time, we got an hour. You just right, 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 right. Okay, here we go. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Tanuzi, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. And thanks again, geez, for getting up so damn early. It's like four o'clock in the morning where you are. So thanks. And uh, how's it going? Mate, it's good. Um, thank you for inviting me on. It's, be, it's great to be here. It is four in the morning, but it's not too far off my normal wake up time. Okay, great. Um, and despite the uh, cold weather, we've just had a bit of snow uh, in the last 24 hours. So it's, wow. it's a little bit chillier than normal. Yeah, but uh, loving it, mate. I've got the heater on in the background. Hopefully, that uh, isn't audible in Don't your end. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I, I, <laughs> but I'd freeze if I didn't have it on. <laughs> this is, you know, I like to think of podcast as it's it just happens, you know. So, you know, I heard one of James Altucher's podcasts, and he was in an Airbnb when he was recording it, and there was oh, yeah. literally a jackhammer outside the the window of of the recording, and he just left it in. <laughs> I'm a bit like that. James, he's, he's loose, isn't he, James? Yeah. Um, love yeah, his show. Yeah, I love his show because he's just yeah. like, this is it, Darren. <laughs> he's, 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 a, he's a man that can teach you a lot about vulnerability, I, I believe. For sure. Yeah, he is just a little too open. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. It's <laughs> great. I love it. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what you've got going on on your website, thehiddenwhy.com. So yep. what uh, what do you have going on there? Yeah, so what I've got is a just a platform essentially to share to share what I learn in life and my experiences, and hopefully provide some inspiration and value to others to live their life with greater passion and purpose. That's the tagline, I suppose, for the show. Yeah, that's great. And it's been an accumulation of um, you know a few years of work, and it's just veered off down this other path. And, and led me to the life I'm living now, which is quite great. I'm, I'm really in love with it. And it's just amazing what paths, you know, take how, where they take you, I suppose. <laughs> and you don't even know when you set out where they're going to take you. And I still don't know where I'm going to be going next. But um, the beauty is the, the journey that is your own is, is much more beautifully experienced than the, the journey I was previously on, which seemed to be the paths that were given to us by by society, I call them societal maps, if you will. Yeah, um, you know, and we follow those paths, and we become more and more disconnected from ourselves and our soul, our essence, our why. And um, yeah, we we walk down these paths that just cause us so much suffering that is just not worth it, in my opinion. 
I agree. And that's not everyone, but that's certainly my, my view on it. No, no, I get it. I, I totally get it. I think uh, we have some cross points. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like most people do, as they do. But let's, before we get into where you are now, let's go way back in time. So, what would, tell me a story that's interesting and fun um, about what you were like as a child, maybe young, younger than high school, maybe high school. Just pick a story from your youth that might be interesting to share. I've got a few. Um, <laughs> Please. <laughs> and, and, and the one, one that I'd like to share with the audience right now, because I think it's really a cool little um, practice to, to meditate on perhaps yeah. uh, for your listeners, and, and that is the question, what is your earliest childhood memory? What mm. is, you know, what's the first one that comes to mind? Right. And it's not always easy for people to get this, but there's one memory that I had when I was a child, and I think it's the earliest one that I can, I can flash back to. Yeah. And it was just simply me walking with a bunch of kindergarten kids and the teachers down this little road. I grew up in far north Queensland, which is a very tropical place. Okay. And very, um, you know, very, it was very quiet back then. And it's this is in Australia. Australia, yeah. Right. <laughs> so walking, <laughs> walking down this, um, yeah, little, little road, little country sort of road, you know, very tropical sort of scene. And with a bunch of kids and a couple of teachers, and we we're just going on an adventure. I think we we're walking to the, the the park down the street or something, and that was an adventure. Right, and you're pretty and, young now because this is your earliest childhood memory. So you're like, yeah, I must three have or been four or three or something like that. Okay, yeah, and and I just I believe that our our childhood gives us a lot of clues in in how we should be living our life. And unfortunately, through the conditioning of of our education and and as we grow older into adulthood. We lose touch with a lot of the things that are important to us. And I think if we go back to our childhood and look at the things that really light us up, we can say, well, hey, that's what I perhaps love. And why don't I do that anymore? Because I, I seem to enjoy it back then. And perhaps not everything you'll still enjoy like you did when you were a kid. But I would guess that most things you probably do. And certainly yeah. if I reflect back on my childhood, my past, my teen years even, there's certainly things there that I did um, that I do now that I just love. I love writing, you know, and I wrote poetry in high school. But I, I fell away from that at some point. Okay. Um, so that little example of you know that first uh, memory for when I was a child is it just to me, and I guess you can extrapolate anything you want from these things because that's the power of our mind and our creativity and our reality. But I sort of look at it and go, well, it's just that I love an adventure and I love experiencing it with other people as well. And certainly, you know, I, I made the adventure last year. I packed up everything, sold everything, and moved my family to Japan. Wow. Um, so that's, you know, maybe a, a, something that I really always have loved and admired. And if, if I remember it, it must have been something that, that lifted me up. Yeah, I mean, back to your three-year-old. The other thing I remember that I, I just talked about this question to someone else the other day, actually, a couple of students of mine. And I remember um, playing at kindergarten with this, there was this water set, and it was probably like about a, a cup, two meter by two meter sort of water set. So you fill it up with water, and it's got little channels and stuff everywhere where you can put in boats. And I just remember playing with that toy, and I really loved it. And I'm a water person. I love water. So I like to be around water. If I'm around water, I seem to be a lot happier as well. So, yeah, that's that's just a little bit of a story and maybe some – snapshot, yeah. Yeah, You know, you made stuff. me think about what my earliest childhood memory is, and I have – Well, here's the deal is it's, it's like I could tell you like – the earliest memory that I tell people is my earliest memory, but that's not really my earliest memory. 
what, tell us what that is. That one is, I remember, I must have been like four because the the last kid to start kindergarten the year before I started kindergarten started kindergarten, right? And okay. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm not going to have any people around here to play with, damn it. And I was feeling really <laughs> very upset for a four-year-old, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And that, you know, there's no more context to that i i think eventually some new kids moved into the neighborhood and i was ecstatic um <laughs> but on that day i was very sad um it turned out though that you know um kindergarten's only half a day so yeah. I, I i only had that half a day to kill and mm. uh and then the other thing that saved my life was my mother was babysitting kids and this was before childcare, you know <laughs> right yeah. so you know People that were mothers could just bring, you know, kids into their house and watch them. <laughs> and you didn't need a license or anything, right? So I had other playmates to hang out with. Um, yeah, so yeah. that made it okay. The other one that I think of often, and this isn't necessarily a specific memory. It's more of like a moment that seemed like it had repeated itself that I've mm. latched onto in the future. Does that make sense? Nice. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. So like I remember maybe it was just once or maybe it was several times where uh, I just go outside, right? And, and it's like a fresh, clean spring day and everything just seems alive in the world. And everything smells like fresh air and sunshine and flowers and like loaminess and I don't know, some wild you know, freaky smells and there's bugs and, and it just seems like, wow, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, just amazed to be alive and outside and able to walk around and climb trees and be a kid. You there know? you go. What's your, what's your favorite hobbies? Oh, uh, well as a kid, uh, we always were camping. So yeah. I just like doing things outside. Um, mm. you know, hobbies, you know, they, I've done so many. It's like, it, they're not the thing is never the thing with me. <laughs> you so know? what what do you think it is about that that memory in particular going outside that sort of resonates with with how with you now? wish to live your life? Yeah, right. I think, and this this we can talk a little bit more about this because I think it. Have you ever heard of vagabonding as a, as sort of like a lifestyle? Yeah, I read like, that book. Vagabonding. Yeah, yeah, oh. I have to read that book. I was just reading. Uh, Tim Ferriss's latest offering, Tools of Titans. Oh, yeah. And he's got, oh, well, I'm still reading it because it's ginormous. Um, I imagine. It's huge. (laughs) Uh, But this morning I read this little like four or five page chapter. um, And it's about, I think it was titled How to Earn Your Freedom. And Mm. it was all about how, you know, you don't necessarily have to wait until you have a million dollars to you know, take a bike trip across China. You mm. could scrub toilets for six months and make enough money <laughs> to take a backpack trip or a motorcycle ride or whatever you want to do anywhere in the world. You know, it's more mm. of like van- vagabonding is this mindset was the point yeah. of it. And you yeah. can start now, right? Mm. And that sort of like reconnected that to me about that feeling of just being open and alive and outside. <laughs> Does that make sense? As that yeah, yeah. four-year-old full of wonder, right? 
you can feel I can now when I went outside just because I was listening to a podcast with you and Wally Carmichael on Men of Abundance. And, uh, and you said, just get outside. And I'm like, I need to get outside. So I went and took like a, <laughs> a little walk, you know, before, because I had some time to kill. Yeah. And, it, and I got that feeling again. I reconnected to that four-year-old who's just smelling the air and listening to the bugs. And it was amazing, you know. Uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing more. Uh, what is the word? Liberating liberating yeah relieving it's just like i was driving yesterday actually and um it's just amazing how nature can take you away from everything that might be cluttering your mind and your life right now and it was snowing yesterday and i was just looking at the snow and at that moment i felt like a kid on christmas like nothing else mattered it was just (laughs) the snow it was beautiful and i just felt so at ease and and that's what nature does hey like it's just powerful we need that i'm i'm thoroughly convinced that our brains need that sort of whatever that input is that nature gives you is required for a healthy healthy body healthy mind healthy spirit for sure i wonder and and because i often look back and i'm sure you do too but i look back on how we must have used to live our lives and how we live it so differently today and Mm. You know, we've just we've advanced so rapidly. We continue to advance so rapidly, and and we perhaps haven't you know been able to keep up with that uh, evolutionary wise. So you know, thinking back to the day, we used to you know wake when 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 we used to wake, um, and, this, and when that the might sun have came been up. yeah probably. when the sun came up or yeah. before, and and you know a lot of tribes and stuff would do sort of rituals in the morning as well before the sun actually came up, and then they'd enjoy the sunrise. They'd go out there and they'd harvest, hunt, work, whatever they had to do. Um, but you know they weren't running around like crazy people all day. They'd mm. be with their family. They'd have you know family time, evening times, and and things like that. You know they'd go to bed when the sun went down. Um, and it was just it seems like a simple life. And as we've advanced and evolved, we've just added more things to our plate. Technology's getting in the way, and right. you know, right, and I right. love technology, but oh, you know, where where's it going to go from here? Yeah. Um, with with virtual reality and things like that, like how's that going to affect the the human condition <laughs> going forward? Like it's it's exciting but scary at the same time. You know I what I mean? I think yeah, no, for sure. I think um, now more than ever, we we need to step back, slow down, take stock, all those things that this show is about, um, and really develop new tools to to navigate all the pitfalls of distraction and chasing money. And, you know, every day, you know, you can get up and think your life is totally hell (laughs) if you let yourself, you know, and it's there, you know, it's, Mm. you can just, you can numb yourself out and, and like, you know, like I go through this every time I say like want to do a transition or a veer as we call it on this show, right? Sure. So I'm in the middle of a veer myself. So uh, I visited Japan around Thanksgiving this year. And during that trip, uh, I decided my wife and I just had a little chat and we had already been talking about moving to Las Vegas for right. lots of different reasons. But boil that down to just it'll be a hell of a lot cheaper to live there. Right. And right. a lot more simple. And and that's it. There's nothing necessarily special about Vegas. You know, neither one of us are in love with gambling or or any of that kind of thing. It's just Nevada doesn't have any state tax there. So there's no state income tax. And then our well, housing, our housing <laughs> bill will be like half. Right. Yeah. So why not? 
So yeah, anyway, exactly. Yeah. And I think you've got to look at that stuff, you know, about, yeah, you know, because yeah. often we get caught up in the, in what we think we have to have and have to be and have to do Amen. and where we have yes. to live, that it stops us from being able to do what we want to do. And, and it's like you said, like you don't, like you can move to these other places which are much more affordable and, and perhaps do more, you know, experience more of those things you want to experience or, you know, whatever it might be. There's just, there's ways around it when you open your mind to it. For sure. But whenever I do these sorts of things, I always know that there are a certain set of pitfalls that I have to reteach myself to navigate on a daily basis. <laughs> Case in point, like just spending all day at home alone for a guy like me is like can turn into a sort of pit of despair. <laughs> because I get I feel these isolation feelings and and all I want to do is drink beer and watch way too much TV. Right? That's what I call the the pit of despair. So I have to come up with like ways to like manage my state and and strategies to like get myself out of the damn house. <laughs> well, see, there you go. That takes you back to your childhood memory about, you know, yeah. thinking that you were going to be alone at kindergarten when that, that last exactly. kid left. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, and you know, I've had it. I had another guest on the show. Her name's uh, L- Loretta Bruning. And oh, yeah. Yep. she, yeah, she talks about brain chemicals and, and other mammals in nature. Mm. And when we're alone, for extended periods of time. It doesn't happen just, you know, right away, right? <laughs> you know, cause alone is great, you know, for a little while, but then you start getting these slow doses of cortisol, which makes you feel like you're going to get eaten by a lion or you're going to die. If you don't somehow interact with another living person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those, that's a real thing, you know, that you have to, and I have to come up with, you know, First, manage the state and then come up with things to do during the day to get those little uh, doses of nature and then also have to get back to my meditation practice. I usually do a walking meditation mm. because then I get a dose of nature as I'm, as I'm walking, which is great. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, other things just to get around people, even if I don't interact with the people. Just being around people, say like at the mall or a bookstore or a library or whatever – that can be enough, you know, to, to make those feelings take the edge yeah, off just the panic, as they find, say. <laughs> find that time to allow your mind to just disconnect, I suppose. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. That too. You know, I mean, going back to those days, you know, we, we, were, we lived outside. That's, that's life. And, but now we live indoors and we sit on seats. And that can't right. be more damaging for us, I believe, in our health. And right. certainly, I think, you know, if I heard it yesterday. Joseph Goldstein, he made a comment. And he said, if, if we want to understand our, ourself and our mind, then we have to take time to assess our mind. And that's when you have mindfulness practices, and whether that's sitting there cross-legged meditating or going for a walk in nature, these things help us, you know, give us that space, that time to really look inside our mind and question. And our mind is the place that we have entire control over. And, and that usually relates to how we we perceive and and our perspectives that we create on reality and it's just powerful stuff and the more you can do of that uh, it's one of the things that i found in my journey that has allowed me to live life more fully and certainly that's you know that's what we we need to do more of and um i don't think we do nearly enough of it Um, 
you know, I think we need to spend half our day in mindfulness sort of activities. Maybe, uh, yeah. That might be a bit extreme. I don't know. I don't, you know, the thing is, is I think the more you need it, the more you need it. I, I know when I was in a very stressed out job, um, I was active duty Air Force and just was task saturated and I was, you know, had like responsibilities as a leader and I was in charge of 15 other enlisted people and, you know, people yelling at me all day, <laughs> you know. I mm. would literally meditate whenever I could. Yeah. You know, and I was like really getting into all the spiritual books and trying to find any little like thing that would just get me through the day. Right. And in those scenarios, I think you need it more. You think you need it more, but maybe it, the opposite might be true. When, when you're, when you don't have those things, I think we go through some sort of like busy withdrawal. I think we we're all a little uh, addicted to just being busy, which mm, is weird. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all just, you know, it's like we, if we, I, I know that when I rode the bus, I was I had a job uh, from, let's see, August until January. And I was taking the bus from my ho- house to downtown L.A., which is about a 40-minute or so bus ride. And mm. I could literally count on one hand the number of folks that weren't somehow... Okay, so that I was the only one trying to meditate. <laughs> Generally speaking, um, there was a few people reading, but most people were either playing with their phone, doing a game or texting or something just totally into a distraction, or they're listening to music, um, just plugged in already, you know? And I think that's sort of where we're at now. We're all addicted to distraction. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Right. Well, that's where technology's infiltrated our lives, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That space that we used to have in between, you know, driving to the office or saying is just now filled with um, other stuff. And it's not necessarily bad stuff, but it's just, yeah, it doesn't give you that time to just disconnect in your own mind and, and assess what's going on inside. Yeah. And then when um, we want to do, the, do that, mm. we usually reach for a beer or, you know, or whatever, you know, or, you know, sex or we're always searching for some sort of maybe not so healthy way to just turn it off. Right. And I've mm. fallen into that trap as well. So let's let's move forward in your life. So let's move. What were you like? Uh, tell us a story about you, Lee Martinuzzi in high school. What sort of kid were you in high school? High school. OK, well, I was uh, always a bit of an entrepreneurial kid. So I used to make things and sell things Oh, nice um, to everyone. So I used to you know, make some coin out of that. I'm um, nice, always, nice. always, like always fond of money. I always had a sense of independency, uh, and I, I was the youngest of four boys, and right. so perhaps part of that sort of made me want to seek independency. Um, not, not too sure. I suppose I just like the sense of freedom, and freedom saying that certainly has has been with me throughout my life. That that seek for just being a free soul, mm. and that might sound hippie and woo-woo to some people, but hear no, me out. No, I love <laughs> um, it. Yeah, I think I everybody has it. Yeah, I think it's it's an important um, day for all of us. But yeah, certainly that was a driving for me. And so money was important for me. I, I saw money as a tool for me to escape and, and to be able to go out there on my own, mm. have those experiences, buy the things that I wanted, et cetera, et cetera. So I always had this fascination for money, always hard worker and, and all that sort of stuff. So I worked, my earliest job was when I was 12 years old and I worked at a restaurant for $3 an hour 
um, washing dishes. So I did that plus the, you know, entrepreneurial things that I worked on here and there. Um, never great successes, but sometimes, you know, gave me that little bit of extra money that other kids didn't have. So that was so pretty what, cool. Did you sell like snacks out of your locker? Tell us a story about some. Yeah, of the no, I not snacks. <laughs> I used to, I was crafty actually. I used to make um, jewelry and necklaces and oh, uh, wow. trinkets and bits and pieces. Um, and then I sort of got into making juggling balls and stuff like that as well. Um, so yeah, just whatever, whatever I could make. I made some sandals one stage that didn't go into a business, but um, that was a bit of fun. Huh. So, yeah, just just crafty, I guess, and, yeah. and using my hands, and that's that's still what I sort of like to do today. Um, even though I was sort of taken away from that. So, so yeah. So, how did that make you feel? That was sort of like that was like your sort of like like empowering your sense of freedom and what's that other word like agency? You were trying to be the agent of your own success. Yeah, I just it really for me the thing that boils down to is just that that sense of freedom, the sense of being able to go. Hey, if I want to go to the movies, I don't need to, you know, ask the parents. Um, mm. Yeah, sure, they might have to give me a lift maybe and have to <laughs> bribe them for that, but you know, I could do that sort of stuff if I wanted to buy something, um, you know, from the shops like some fish and chips with my mates, and I could go down there and do that. Right. Um, so those things were just it just made things you just easier. Wanted to be independent. Independent. I think maybe there's a part of uh, a desire for power there as well. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. It comes from that. So yeah, there's probably a few different various things, but that's what I sort of boil it down to: that independence. And um, you know, I just like to do things too. I like to be busy. I, I find it hard to sit still, and I did then, and I still do now. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, that was me as a teenager. I was I was relatively shy, a little bit overweight. Um, you know, I had a fear of, of public speaking, which I've driven towards in my life now. And I absolutely love getting up and speaking. Mm. Um, still get nervous about it, but love it. Well, you know, if you um, don't get nervous, you're a little weird. I think everybody gets the butterflies. It means I you're alive. So. Yeah. I so. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. One, one, someone said to me, if you don't get nervous, it means it doesn't mean that much to you as well. Right. Um, you're kind of, which you've I gotten to is, that point where you're just going through the motions. Yeah, and yeah. and that's easy enough to do when you become mm. sort of habitual. But yeah, I think I agree. I think everyone still gets nervous to some level, some oh, even sure. slight level. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, so that was me at high school. I um was like a regular teenager, you know, trying to fit in, trying to find and define myself who I was, and that sort of draws you to you know different crowds and tries different things. And yeah, it was, it was just that process. Nothing outstanding for me. I I was. A kid that grew up in pretty, you know, well-off circumstances. I had um, parents with a lot of love. I had brothers with a lot of love. I had friends with a lot of love that I'm still friends with now. Wow. Uh, so, you know, I had all that, which was which was great. I guess in, in my teenage years, I experimented and tried different things to, to figure out where I fitted in. And I don't think I ever figured it out. But, um, <laughs> you know, I found my little yeah. gap and, and that's where I placed myself and um, whether that's good or bad, it, it sort of took me in the direction into my adulthood as well. So, so what did you do for college? What did you did you go to university? Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Look, and I'm writing a book now, which I think is, well, I hope it's going to be useful for for kids just about to finish. You know, because I I just felt we don't know what we're going to do, do we, at that age? No. And we think we have to know. We feel like there's this expectation that we should have it yeah. all figured out. And right should be on the right path and certainly I didn't know I, I left school and going well what the hell am I going to do yeah, I looked yeah. at my grades and said well I was good at science and math so maybe I should be doing something in, in that sort of area you know that's the sort of clues we get and that's about the level of it right right um, 
And you, you kind of have to commit with- all this money and all this time to this thing that you may or may not like doing down the road, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a four-year investment that's going to leave you in debt and without any great prospects. And it's something you don't think about at the stage, but certainly I think about it a lot now. So I went into study engineering. I decided to go to engineering. Okay. Um, and that's that's the choice I made. You know, we never told how to how to deal with reality and what's out there and that's and true. how to follow our our hearts. That's true. Um, we're just sort of given these maps and said, hey, this is a university degree. This is a map you can follow. This will take you here. Might get you a job. I didn't really know what jobs I'd get, but hey, we'll face that when it comes. Um, and <laughs> right. you know, you'll be able to work and get some money and and live the life like everyone else lives. So that was the path. Right. I right. um I flunked out of university after a few months. I dropped Whoa. out and okay. said, okay, what am I going to do? This is not right for me. I just felt it was wow. too much, too overwhelming. I moved away from um, friends and family. I wasn't that far away, but still, it was a five-hour drive. That's um, a pretty good drive. Yeah, and so there was that, and I was a little. For some, I think I was. I entered a little late for some reason, so there was like catch up. I can't remember, but anyway, I dropped out. I didn't want to do it, and I just quit. Um, and you know, a lot of people maybe say that's yeah, you shouldn't quit. You should just see things through. But I don't know. Um, <laughs> if it doesn't feel right, sometimes right. I don't think you should. You know, right, and I right. didn't. And okay. it wasn't a bad decision. It was probably a good one. So did did, so I, uh, did you get a lot of pushback from family and friends? Like, oh, my God, what are you doing? And all the quitters quitters never prosper and that whole spiel. No, 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 no. I, no? Um, oh, good My friends you. loved it because it meant, you know, the ones that were still back in back in my hometown, they loved it because I was coming back. Ah, uh, they my got family, their back. <laughs> Yeah, my family were, were cool with it. They're, they've always been quite supportive. Um, yeah, that they, they nice. questioned me and asked me questions just to make sure I'm making the right decision. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I went back and I started, um, I love, I've always been a, a good cook and a fond cook. So I started doing a chef apprentice, which didn't last long either. I, okay. I, I gave that up. I, the reason why I stopped is because I was working in a restaurant and the head chef was just a dick and <laughs> I just didn't see the value of, of working in that sort of environment. I thought, well, I love food, but this is making me not like doing it, you know? Uh, so right, right. it makes sense. So I found a job cooking for a restaurant which i really loved it was really cool and i got to be the you know the the chef of the the restaurant because it was just a small operation i guess mm. um wow. so That's pretty that was cool. cool i did that for a year and and then i decided i'd go back to university and that was a hard decision to make and a hard thing to approach my parents with but my dad sort of said to me he said look it's never wasted time because I, I always thought i was wasting time if i wasn't being purposeful right and right. i still still do and he goes, no, it's not wasted time. It's just experience, and you know that's what you got to do. That's what you got to figure out. So um, it was good advice. And yeah, went back to university, finished the three-year degree, got offered to do honors, but wasn't keen to do another year of study. Mm. And uh, said, what I'm going to do now? You know, and I think I went back to university to be honest, because it just seemed like the easier road. Okay. Um, and that was and you needed else was a little doing. like boundaries and yeah, just just you know, I thought I needed something to. To, fall back you know, on, as they say, maybe. Fall back on it and make yeah. a, a life for myself. I thought I needed that degree. Time to so grow up. I think that sort of pulled me back there. I thought, you know, I can't do this cooking thing for my life. Like, mm-hmm. how's that going to, you know, um, support a family eventually and buy a house and all that sort of stuff? Yep. Um, so that part of the reason too. And, and yeah, it sounded sound like an easier path. So I went back to university, finished that. And after that, I didn't know why I was studying what I was studying. It seemed like the good option at the time and so didn't you, know where you went back and studied engineering again uh, no i studied um commerce marketing and management oh okay something completely different 
Yeah, I've always been interested in marketing, and there was something about management that that attracted me. Okay. Um, I, I sort of I feel I'm a natural leader in a sense. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, went down that path, and um, after that, had no urge to go into the workforce at all. Uh, and I went traveling for about four years. I lived in Japan for a while for for that period, and, and did a lot of travel in between. Wow! So you became a post college vagabond? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. I was a- <laughs> Vagabond. That's great. Exactly. Ah, that's Love the adventure. Love the and you know when yeah. you when you jet set and you get out of your your country into another like I did um, a few months through Southeast Asia. Man, the your perspectives change dramatically. If if anyone hasn't travelled yet, I don't care what age you are. Man, it's mm. just it is powerful stuff. It is. Um, it is. It it's like, not about not loving your home. It's just about just being open to to everything it's going in the world. Back to that 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 four year old on a walk saying, you know, wow, <laughs> yeah, what's this? Why There's is that a there? world out here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I saw my brother just do it for the first time recently, and man, his perspectives changed, and it just uplifted him um, tremendously. It was just brilliant to watch. Yeah, I think you make some really. You know, they might not be lifelong connections, but they're connections of life, right? When you're out there on the road and you probably will never connect to those people ever again. But you, you kind of like store up this sort of like connection bank of amazing experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's, it is so, I mean, you, you never stop growing when you're on the road. My wife and I, uh, when, you know, we got married when I was like halfway into my Air Force career. But we both got like really hooked on the travel bug. So yeah. That was part of like the the desire because we've been here in L.A. since 2003. It's like mm. way too long to live in one place. <laughs> up till then, you know, we were moving every three years or so in the military, you know, and yeah. that's fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And see, this is a thing like it. It, it's not for everyone. Like people, some people just like to be in that one area, and and that's cool too. Like there's no problems with that. I think you still right. need to get out there occasionally, and, and you know, open your eyes and, and see the the world from different angles. But it's okay if you want to, you know, have the family and, and be in the one area. That's not not everyone there's wants nothing to. Wrong move, with it. I think it's every three years. Yeah, it's more of, and I just started thinking about this today as I was reading that Tim Ferriss book. It's more of a mindset. You know, it's more of an attitude towards life than the actual the importance of the actual travel. Even if you only travel a little ways away from where you are, you know, the important thing is, is your 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 approach towards life is not so much an escape. It's more of an excitement just to go out there in the world as an explorer and be open Mm. to whatever happens. Yeah, and and that's that's again. I think you know it's it's up to the individual. Like yeah. I look at, I had a chat with a mate the other week, and we were talking about just how the world's changed. And you know, we used to be so isolated as far as technology didn't connect us. It was harder to travel from one one place to the next. And typically, you know, if you look back at my my parents growing up, or even their parents growing up, it was just in one little location. They didn't travel too far out. You know, they went away on right. camp trips and stuff. You know, within their local reach, but. Um, the extent of their life was very, very local, and now because we're so global and we're so um, bound by an abundance of opportunities, you know, we can do this, we can do that, we can go here, we right. can go there, right. we can do this business opportunity, we can get that job. 
there is seriously if anyone says there's a lack of opportunity there's so much that we could do it's it's almost to a point where it's overwhelming right. and it sort of it makes us not stay sort of rooted and grounded sometimes and certainly I reflect on that sometimes I think sometimes it because of the opportunities it just has that ease of uplifting us and putting us somewhere else and Sometimes if you look at the, a plant that's trying to grow in the soil, if we don't allow our roots to sort of dig in a little bit, that's we're true. going to limit our growth and we keep transplanting ourselves here and there. That maybe isn't the most effective way to live life. But I really think that change is the key to progress. And um, if we're not um, at least accepting of change, then we're going to limit our progress. But why not pursue change? Why not go out there and chase change? And and that right. comes from traveling. You know, you get to see right, different right. things and really have different insights. And I think that's part of the reason why I and perhaps yourself like to to have that change. You know, that's probably why I said a, a year ago, hey, let's just go to Japan and do something different. Yeah. Because I just, I desire that growth. I desire that challenge, that something else that's going to just make, make me that that different person will bring me towards, you know, more of my truth. I don't know, but I feel that that change is, is quite an essential part. So tell me a story about one of your, one of your favorite stories about your Vandabonding days uh, Vandabund. after college. Vandabonding? <laughs> That's a hard word to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I probably got a few. What could I tell you? I think that the, one of the first experiences I had was actually I flew from Australia to Japan and I I got to that, like getting to Japan was just weird in itself. I got here and I thought, what the hell? This is crazy. Like this yeah. is <laughs> oh, Tokyo. You probably like the, flew to Narita. Narita, yeah. One of the biggest yeah. cities in the world. Crazy. It's just like, oh my God. Whoa. And so that was yeah. really, you know. And, and all the face. English letters are not English words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, Japan's great because it's safe and totally foreign to a Westerner the first time they show up. So it's, yeah, it's, it's sort of it's perfectly. got the elements of East and West, doesn't it? It's, yes. Uh, you know, it's really safe. It's really you modern know, and Japanese, but it's, it's modern as well. Yeah. So it's, it feels like living in the future whenever I visit. It's not like um not like China. Like if you go to China, it's just that'd be pretty it's crazy. Like going back in time sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I got here and, and that was an experience. But I remember just um I was living at this place and I didn't have a job. It must have been the first week, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to go outdoors and go for a little adventure around. And um, it's it's not really an exciting story, I think, but it just okay. it gives some insight. So yeah. I went out there and I walked and walked and walked, and I was just in my head, and I started thinking about poetry and. Um, life and what this is here and just fascinated by all the differences that were, that I could see. And at, at some point along the walk, I thought, oh, I better head back now. And I sort of looked around and thought, where the hell am I? I didn't have any <laughs> any tracking. I didn't know where I was going. I had no map back then. It was, you know, before map, well, not before maps, but before um, technology and stuff. So yeah, cell phones, I had, Google apps yeah, and stuff. Yeah. There was no cell Google phones apps. or anything. Right. We had those just a phone to talk on. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a phone at that time because I was new. Right. Um, and I actually never had a phone before that, actually. I never owned a, a mobile phone myself before I got to Japan. Wow. Um, so there you go, 10 years ago. Um, and, 
yeah, so I just sort of was just overwhelmed suddenly going, oh, shit, how do I, how do I get home? Because I've never been that good at tracking either, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was oh, sort of like, oh, what do I do? And that, this overwhelm just flooded me. And, you know, you sort of get that, that hot feeling that comes through your body. Yep. Like, oh, geez, I'm going to be lost. I don't have a phone number. I don't know how to speak the language. What did that feel like? It felt like that sinking feeling in your belly. Yeah, I, I yeah. just felt lost. <laughs> and I was just like, ah. Uh, and I thought, I can do this, I can do this. And, you know, you you just get so, when you get overwhelmed like that, you just become flustered and, and less effective. And I was for a good good while very ineffective of trying to figure out how to get home because I had that overwhelm. And then I just relaxed and I started to breathe and I thought, let's be real, Lee. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen here? Like, I'm going to get lost and, and find myself in a hole and on deathbed and that's not what was going to happen. And I just right. started to calm down and, when I calmed down and had a clear mind, I started to be able to figure out and, strangely enough, pick up on clues of, of where I came from. And I figured out my way home. But it was just that little moment of just overwhelm that comes. And that, I think it's a lesson of life. We, we get that sometimes when when things are just unfamiliar or uncertain that we think we're going to be at, at wit's ends and, you know, without, without great hope. Um, but it's just all an illusion of our minds and, you know, we can figure things out and we can find our way um, as long as we just have that, that moment to give ourselves that clarity and, and just focus, you know, put your yeah. attention where it needs to be and, and calm down like it's going to be okay. Um, <laughs> and I think that's about life, you know, like yeah. we – and it, it's not that I learnt it then. It's been a gradual process. But now I – yeah, I could look at life and go – it's so easy to get overwhelmed. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got all these things that have to be done. This is what I need to do. And if I don't do this, it's going to mean this. But the truth is we've, we've complicated our lives so much to the point where it creates this overwhelm and it's just totally unessential. It's not necessary. And yeah. if we can just see beyond that clutter, we could start removing some of it. And life does not need to be complicated. It is complex, absolutely, but it doesn't need to be complicated. How we live life can be simple. Yeah, um, I think well, and then, and then the key to that story to that. for me was you don't get anything done when you're in that state of ah! <laughs> right. That, oh no, you become, you become ineffective, you become, don't you? I mean, useless blubbering fool, right? And if then, you look at all the all the things that we think we need to do in a day, this is why I think a lot of people are ineffective is because they have all these things that they have to do. And because they're trying to get through them all and, and ramp, you know, rushing, 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 and they're things that aren't necessary, number one. Right. right. But because we clutter ourselves with these tasks, they be, make us less effective, not only overall, but they make us less effective in the things that are absolutely important. And you know, Pareto principle says 80-20 rule: 20% right. of what you do gives you 80% of the outcome. And I really believe that. I think a lot of For us sure. have all this stuff in our day. Eighty percent of it is is just not necessary, not needed. It's not going to help us live life, and it's not going to matter at the end of our life. Um, so you know, why do it? Why get overwhelmed with it? Why let it create this chaos in your mind that doesn't mm. allow you to live with this deeper sense of happiness? And that's truly what I, I think we need to simplify things. And um, that doesn't mean to say you can't have ambitions and and beautiful things and and have desires, etc. But yeah, it's just being mindful of it. I remember um, I was thoroughly overwhelmed in that, ah, what am I going to do state, right? Yeah. And I remembered, I think it was Wayne Dyer had this meditation about, mm-hmm. um, and in it he said, like, whenever you're stressed out, whenever you're overwhelmed, whenever you think life is too much, 
that's when you need to remember God was the way he put it. Mm. And, the, and, and then he went on to say, you know, not just remember God like out of a book or out of the Bible, but and to him, it was silence your mind, right? Just shut it off <laughs> if you can, yeah. right? So I remember doing this at work when it was like the boss is going ape shit do this report now. It's already late. Why are you not doing it? Stop listening to me. Just go do it. Right. It was like, ah. <laughs> so I run and I'm like, and the phone's still ringing and I still have 15 people asking me questions. And I just calmly shut the door and I went, I need five minutes of quiet. And everybody went, okay. And I sat there for one minute doing absolutely nothing and just, cleared my mind and said, ah, over and over and over again for five, for one minute. And then the next four minutes, I banked out the report, right? So the state is just so, so important. It's like the key. It's like the, first you have to have the state and then, and then you can be useful again, right? Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. If, if you can create that mindfulness, then in yeah. those little moments, um, where something occurs or something's overwhelming you, it's, you know, because what you perceive what you perceive, yeah, and, and that creates the thoughts. And if those thoughts right. aren't conducive, that creates the pain. And we have the power of our mind to, to notice those thoughts and be aware of them and um, direct how we want to respond to them. Yeah. Um, so we, we, you know, once you create that practice, you become in those moments. Like I always think of this simple example of driving to work, someone cuts you off. And how quickly we can respond and start thinking about, oh, that asshole, or yeah. you know, how can yeah, just yeah. change our state in that instant? And because we're just so, just unaware of what our thoughts can do to us. But if we can just create that little pause and go, hang on, they just cut us off. Oh, what, uh, you know, doesn't really seem right. Doesn't seem like the right thing to do. But what's going on in their lives? You know, maybe we could just approach it a little bit differently you know they might have had someone that passed away in their family or something and mm. may just be totally out of themselves and we've all been there we've all cut someone off right um so you know just the perspective you can create on life and and what you perceive um is is really what takes you forward actually there's a quote here by andy andrews that says perspective is the only thing that can dramatically change the results without changing any of the facts right <laughs> So true. <laughs> um, That's a which good I one. Was just yeah. great. Yeah, that is amazing. I thought it, you know we can all perceive a certain thing you know one way, but it's how we it's our perspectives that matter, it. right? Like yeah. you look at the elections in America at the moment, like Donald mm. Trump and and how people perceive that, um, and how it just causes them so much anxiety and self suffering. Yeah, um, I, I don't really know what's going on because I don't follow politics that closely, or don't even really watch the news that closely. Right. Um, yeah. But I'm just like, you know, it's it's just I can see, I can sense the the anger and the suffering and the pain that people are caused by this one thing. And I'm just like, you know what? Change your perspective. Look at it a little bit differently. Maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it's what needs to be done to shift America into a, a better direction. I don't know. But, you know, don't let your perspectives affect the direction of your life. And, and that's, I think, you know, what it's all about. Yeah, I, I concur. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so you were fooling around for about four years, and it was awesome, and you were traveling around the world. Eventually, I'm, I'm assuming you had to get a job. Um, yeah, no, I, I had work. I worked throughout it. Um, oh, I went okay. home to Australia to for a wedding, and I didn't – I planned to go back traveling, but then I got to Australia – 
sort of felt this need that I had to settle down and um, perhaps, it, I don't know if my parents or my family sort of said, no, oh, it's time to get a job and, you know, blah, blah. So, okay, and that's what happened. And I, settling down for me is a crock of, you know, what? I, I just believe it's, um, I can't sit still anyway, so settling down isn't really great for me. Okay. And I just think it's, it's one of those things, just settle down, you know, and it's, it's just a, a conditioned thing that society's come about to create that says that we have to, you know, buy a house and settle down and raise a family and it's not what we have to do that's bullshit um it's true (laughs) so but i did that i I found a job i was lucky actually i i I, actually i started my own little tourist business and then i fell into a job a really good job in in corporate management and um that was great i got paid shitloads i worked hard and you know it just lifted me up i learned a heck of a heck of a lot in that time i was there for four years about i think it was yeah um, and it was really cool. So that was good. But then I sort of thought I wanted to be close to family and friends and that freedom thing came back. You know, I felt like I had to commit to all this these hours, even though I got five weeks holiday a year and lots of money. It still was like, you know, if there was something on on a Sunday and I had to be the one that was on duty, um, too bad. And so that sort of freedom thing comes about with me. I don't like having that sense of control externally on me, right. on my life. No, um, and I don't like being controlled and being a slave to my mind either. So that's still a work in progress. But right, um, yeah. So I looked I looked for opportunities, and I found another opportunity in a, a startup, major startup in Australia. Um, so I was an ops manager there, and uh, so that was pretty promising. And that's the, kind of exciting too, working in the startup field, right? Yeah, well, it got everything's me close new to my friends and, and family, so yeah. tick that box. I was still had that lacking of freedom, but I was just excited about the potential growth for that job. And here's what happened: I mean, they started off, you know, a typical company. They had all these great goals and the culture they wanted to create, and I was a part of that. I was, I opened the first store and was part of, you know, I recruited over 240 people and was part of that culture. And wow. as we opened the doors and things started to change and the company couldn't see the results, the money, um, they started to lose track of what they're, they're all about. And I really felt that was – I just didn't like that. I thought, no, this is not what it is. You've got to – there's got to be other options. But no, it was just money. So what do companies do like that? They're big companies. They just cut costs, cut wages, you know, cut people out, and that just changes things dramatically. And I, I saw the effects of that. And they kept growing and growing and growing after I left. I got fired from that job mm. um, and wow. they, they kept growing and growing and growing and recently they just had to um, close the doors and a huge company, major, major company wow. losing millions of dollars so um, they just couldn't do it. So, yeah, I, I, um, I got out of corporate world and I there was this point for me there where I, I started, because I started feeling dissatisfied with work, my attitudes started to change and right, right. I started right. letting things get to me and that's it was about the same time I started to really get into personal development, so okay. thankfully. And one of my mentors sort of said, you know, it's about the attitude and how you show up and certainly I wasn't showing up because I hated the superiors, my superiors at the time. I didn't like the direction the company was taking. I felt that there was no opportunity for me and I certainly didn't want to be a part of it either, really. Mm. Um so, I so had in this, your heart, you were already kind of like half out the door a little. Yeah, I was going, where can I go? Where can I go? And, right, right. and this is the thing about the universe. And I really believe, you know, at, at the time when I was fired, it was a bit hard to swallow. And oh, yeah. I, that's, that's the, I could tell you stories about getting dumped. Because getting <laughs> fired and getting dumped is essentially the same feeling, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I, I, I'll 
do a short version just for you because I've told this story on the podcast before. But I had dated a girl the first time I was stationed in Japan, right? And we dated for a couple of months, right? And then I got my orders to go to my next duty assignment. And that was going to be like six months down the road. And I didn't want to get married to anybody. Nothing against this girl. It was just time to go, right? So I was going, oh, now I have to break up, right? And as I was moaning and thinking, how am I going to break up? I don't want to break up, but I have to break up. And so she dumped me. (laughs) And I still felt like all of those like I cried for like hours after getting dumped. And then my buddy was like, dude, you wanted to break up with her. I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Phew. (laughs) Right. But I still had to go through all of those emotions of getting dumped. It just sucks. It just feels like shit. Yeah. And again, it's it's, it's the perspective, isn't it really? and, And for me, my perspective on losing that job wasn't great because I had that desire to leave, but it's just interesting how the universe shows up for you sometimes and certainly that's what happened and um, the best thing that happened to me so I started looking and going well what do I want what's caused me the most suffering and certainly it was that lack of freedom so I said well I'm going to do something that gives me more freedom I'm going to do something that gives me the ability to you know still earn good money and something that um, that I might enjoy and I, I jumped into real estate from there okay um, which right. gave me that freedom and I earned pretty good money and, and all that sort of stuff so yeah that was um my little journey into into corporate life and and the learnings I had there were great and you know the transition into real estate was good. I got into real estate and there was a point there. Um, there's two stories where I one I remember I was sitting over the water drinking a beer before going home to my my partner at the time and I was just sort of thinking about life going you know this is when I was at corporate going is this what I want to be doing working for a company that I don't really like and in a job that sort of dissatisfying is this how I can see my life living out and the question was no so that sort of made me sort of move towards that change and then in real estate doing that for a few years I just I I had the freedom you know I could do what I wanted when I wanted I had money coming in like I wasn't um, in poverty or anything like that so I had plenty of good money coming in but I just stopped I was delivering flies one day on a bike on my scooter that's what I did every week to I don't know a few thousand homes and I just stopped. I thought, what What am I doing? What does this mean? Like me putting in flies to people's letterboxes that are probably just annoyed with me doing it or just don't give a shit. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, there is there is purpose for it. There was need for it because it helped me get the results yeah. of, of listing and sales. But it's for me, of, deeper than that, grind, right? yeah. I was just like, you know what? But like at 70, when I'm dead or 80, 90, whenever I die, like, when I look back, is this going to have any meaning, significant meaning? And to me, it was just no. And like to some people, yeah, they love it. They can do it and they'll do it forever. For me, it wasn't. I couldn't say that that's what I'd want to look back on my life and say, that's what I did every week. Yep, delivered those flyers. Yep, people loved it. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's not how I saw it. I thought there right. was more than right. life. And at that time, I was into the hidden why as well. Um, and, you know, I wasn't until a holiday with my wife in Tasmania, Australia, uh, we went away for a few weeks over Christmas. So I had plenty of holidays too, so I had the freedom. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't I just said, enough, I said, this really, is great. Look really. at this. How beautiful is it? How We just felt so – we just had the good state. We were both happy and loving it and said, let's just go traveling. Let's go on an adventure. Like that's what we both love doing. Like why not? It's possible. So we um, – we, that's when we decided to go to Japan. It was that moment I said, let's just do something. And she said, oh, okay. And I said, yeah, got on the phone. And I'm sure there was an opportunity. 
um, and I took it. So yeah, we we you know from uh, we had a few investment properties at the time, you know a lot of stuff that you accumulate in years, and mm. we just sold it all. Sold. I had a Toyota Land Cruiser, one of my my dream cars when I was a younger kid. Right, right. right. Um, so you know all that stuff, and we sold it all, and sold. We've still got one property, but sold most properties, and um, and moved to to Japan. And I just again, you look at that life of simplicity, and I was sitting here one day in in my office in Japan, just after I I started this project, and the project was promoted by sort of a, a money pressure. I felt like I needed more money, and right. so I started this project, and the project wasn't aligned with my why. And started up well. I was excited and I pumped it out. I worked extra hours to get it you know, up and running quickly and did it. And it was really a failure. It didn't really result in anything great. Mm. And I was looking going, oh, you know, what, what was that all about? And I just felt this, this anxiety and this pressure, this, this, this time where I was trying to force things to happen external to my control and certainly walking aligned not aligned with my my true why my my what I what's important to me mm. um, sort of rubs you the wrong way and causes you this suffering and certainly the fail didn't help and I was just going what is it what you know why why me like I'm sure I did everything right it seemed right and sure there was a few wins with it but it it wasn't successful and I thought you know what it's because it's not necessary I, and I looked around and I thought I've got a roof over my head a beautiful yeah. home that a lot of people wouldn't have in the world. I, I, you know, the 50% of the world's population live on less than $2 a day. Here right. I am, right. you know, living a beautiful life. I get to eat beautiful food. I get to spend time with my family more than a lot of people get to spend time with their family. Right. I don't really have anything else that I need. And so why? Why stress and worry about it all, you know? Mm. And and I thought, yeah, if that all stops, then yeah, there's going to be different circumstances. But for now, why not just focus on what I love doing? Why don't I just focus on giving value to other people and, that was the hidden why. I said, let's just keep doing that and keep enjoying that process and see where that takes me and, you know, keep working on that side of things. And, and that's what I did. And and certainly, you know, if we look at our lives and really look at our lives, um, you know, what do you really need? Like what is really essential and, and what isn't? And again, if you're not too connected with, with what's important to you in life, your why, as I call it, then it's going to be hard to make that assertion. But, you know, what, if you do connect with that and know what's important, you can certainly become more aware of, what's necessary and what's not. And when you start removing that stuff that's not necessary, life becomes beautiful. It really does. It's, yeah. it's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I know you were talking to Wally about some sort of questionnaire on your website. Talk a little bit about that. Oh, yes. I've got a – it's called a discovery questionnaire. Yeah. Um, it will be updated with this book I'm writing. Okay. Um, but for now, it's still there, and you can download that, and it's just a series of questions that you can go through that um, – you know, attempt to try and align you with your why. I, there's no real tool or formula, you know. We're all so different. So right. um, the idea is to connect with what's important to you and, and start following that path, that journey of life. And when you do that, um, you'll you'll be better off. But you've got to seek the own answers. You've got to seek out, you know, the work you have to do. You've got to seek out the practices. You've got to seek out the answers yourself because when doing that, that's when you start to take your own journey. And, you know, whatever your purpose is, people think, oh, what's my purpose? And they feel like if they don't find their purpose, they're going to be lost. The purpose is to to live with purpose and to follow your journey. You'll find a greater purpose. Um, so the purpose is the purpose, really, isn't it? <laughs> right, um, right, right, right. So, yeah, yeah. go, like go you, out there and follow that journey and, yeah. and see what opportunities come up and have those learnings and and do what's important to you. So that's what the questionnaire is. It's at thehiddenwide.com. They can go to resources and, and they'll find that there. 
Perfect. That's I'll what put the a, question I'll, is. I'll put a link in to the to that resource yeah. in my show notes for anybody that's interested. Lee, this has been uh, a hoot and a half. Uh, one of my favorite shows, I think. Uh, so this is this has been a good time. We, we could we yeah, could mate, talk more. <laughs> I think we could we go for hours, couldn't we? Uh, I think we could. <laughs> but unfortunately, you need to get on with your life and probably have another cup of coffee. <laughs> and you too, mate. You too. Yes. <laughs> all right, brother. So this yeah, has been thank great. You. It's been and, a pleasure. Uh, all right, I I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks, mate. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.